0: So joining us on the podcast for the second time, my good friend, Robert. Uh, last time we were on, Robert, we spoke about uh, Song of Blades and Heroes, miniature agnostic skirmish game. This time around, I wanted to talk you through another game. It's called Rangers of Shadow Deep. It's a bit different because this one is like a solo cooperative, um, described as RPG light, I thought it might be right up your street, Robert. I thought we could maybe plan in a, a couple of wee games of it. So um, what are your initial thoughts, just having scanned over the, the book that we're about to go through?
1: Yeah, it looks really interesting. A, very, uh, a slightly different take on the game we played last time. I'm really keen to get into it and see how it actually plays rather than just reading over it, I think. I want to get a, f- a proper feel for it.
0: Yeah, it was written by Joe McCulloch, who was a previous guest on the show, uh, famously known for games like Frostgrave, Stargrave, he's got a new one out at the moment, um, Silver Bayonet, which is like Napoleonics versus Werewolves, but this was his attempt at a, like I say, a solo cooperative game um, Joe's games are good because they, they do provide a setting but he doesn't try and micromanage that setting, so you know like, for example you could play in a super licensed miniature game like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or that, and it's you know, the 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 parameters of the lore are very hard and set. But with this, what we've been given is like a, you know, a, a, a very typical sort of fantasy kingdom. And what's happened is we've got this uh, region called the Shadow Deep. So it's like a big um, cloudy, dark sort of aura over the land. And it, it, it sort of keeps getting bigger and it engulfs towns and kingdoms. And that it sounds a bit like Scotland, actually, the Shadow Deep. Well, I'm looking so, out of the window
1: um, and I think you're right.
0: Yeah, so we're we're potentially living in this realm right now. Um, So what we've got in this world, we've got this sort of kingdom that's on the border of this Shadow Deep, maybe like a sort of Last Stand style place, and um, we've got these heroes called Rangers. So it's a band that says here, it's a band of highly skilled warriors trained to operate independently or in small groups to track down and fight against the creatures of darkness. So these are the guys that we basically control. They go into this realm, and they've got um, set missions, which you, you find in this introductory book. And you can buy expansions as well. So um, I think it's missions and they're broken into scenarios. So it, it kind of tells you what you need for each one. And then you just set up the table and, and get to it. So we will get to like a couple of them towards the end of this episode. All right. So I'm looking at page nine at the moment, Robert, if you're on the, the same page as me. I am. I am. I promise. Cool. Uh, before you dive in and start creating your ranger there are several items you're going to need to be able to play and fully enjoy the game a table, miniatures, a couple of 20 sided dice, those are your favourite dice aren't they? They are got a batch of them here Yeah, 20 siders, Um, a deck of standard playing cards, a ruler or tape measure marked in inches a copy of the ranger sheet from the back of this book and a pencil. Wonder if you could use a pen. Probably pencils are handy because you could rub stuff out, like wounds and that, can't you? So
1: absolutely. I always turn up with a pencil and a sharpener when I go and play D anD.
0: sharpener, that's good. Yeah. A, and w- would you add that to your character sheet as like a weapon? <laughs> yeah, an improvised weapon. I think it would be. Uh, so the, the miniatures as well like I think the game was kind of written for 28mm scale there or thereabouts but he's saying here in the book there's no reason why you can't um, scale down or scale up so it's not absolutely set in stone that you have to play with that scale it's just the most common scale I suppose um, and like I say we've got the 20 sided dice which sometimes incidentally are used to as as like a random direction generator for the baddies uh, so obviously, like if you roll a twenty-sided die, the the top of it's a triangle; it's going to be pointing in a certain direction. So uh, that's quite an innovative idea. Is that is that some common in um, games that you've played, Robert?
1: Uh, absolutely not. No, no, I've never heard of that. Oh, maybe maybe in Warhammer back in the day. I can't remember, but that was a while ago. Um, guy,
0: when it was more sort of RPG than.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, but. um No, no, that's an interesting one.
0: Uh, We use a a deck of standard playing cards too because these correspond to event tables. So that means that we've got the opportunity for things to happen, random events or like uh, as part of the mission, you know, this or that. Maybe you're looking in a box, maybe you're investigating a clue. So these playing cards give us the chance then to have a unique experience rather than, everything is just linear and it's almost like playing through a, a storybook or novel rather than an actual interactive game. Uh, the the table and the terrain, I think it's, um, it's commonly two and a half foot square, which is a, a reasonable size. A um, lot of, well, I say a lot of folks, some folks have like big six foot before foot tables that they could play on, you know, for mass battle games and stuff like that. When you see one of those tables in real life, it's really big. <laughs> like, I don't know where you'd keep something like that.
1: Slide it under the snooker table or something, maybe. You you've got me now doing the using my hands to try and work out two and a half feet by two and a half feet and Yeah. Yeah, it's that's not a bad size.
0: Aye, maybe one arm's length plus your body. I don't know if that would maybe be.
1: I, I mean this is why out. they say have a tape measure, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh Robert, are you want to Have a we look at creating a ranger. Um, On page 12, it talks about build points. We get assigned 10 build points to sort of customise our ranger. And we see there on page 13 the the base stats. So what sort of stats are we getting with a ranger, like, at its core? You know, what um, what have we got here on page 13? Okay,
1: so the ranger base stat line, you're looking at your movement. Uh, Move of six, which... Sounds all right, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, Um, six inches, yeah,
0: fairly standard.
1: Yeah, I mean, in in terms of D&D and the other likes, when you're playing a ranger, they tend to be able to move fairly well because they're used to being on the move in different terrains and stuff, I suppose. Uh, Fight, plus two. Shoot, plus one. Armor, 10. And Will, plus four. And Health, 18. There's your hit points. The Will's interesting, though, plus four. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that comes into it because it uh, determines their uh, their courage, their ability to resist magic spells and the likes. So that's usually the kind of overlooked stat until somebody gets into the game because they always put into fighting and defense and then suddenly they realize they should have put more points into something like that.
0: Yeah, I it's one of the ones I imagine people will overlook because it's it's not as immediately as attractive. Yeah. Um so it says here you you can so you've got these ten build points and you've got this this um naked, if you like, ranger just standing there completely in the buff waiting to be assigned certain things. Uh so three of those ten build points you could put on this stat line apart from armor. So you can't bump that armor up from ten. So you can uh, you can increase any of the other stats by one. So presumably you just can't stick those three points on fight and make it five. I think you could only make it three. You could probably make a move seven, shoot two, well five or, or health nineteen. Right. Um, that's how I interpret it here, anyway. Yeah, it looks um, like that. And then we've got uh, heroic abilities and spells. So again, each thing that we do here makes the ranger more more and more unique to us. So we can spend up to five of these build points purchasing heroic abilities and spells, and they're at a cost of one build point each. It says each heroic ability may only be purchased once. Each spell may be purchased as many times as a player wishes. So I think the spells, that means like if you cast a spell in the game, you maybe need more than one of them to cast it again. I don't know. Um, It says spells are arcane powers that the ranger can call upon to strike down his enemies, heal his friends, and cause distractions. Unlike heroic abilities, a ranger must spend an action to use a spell. And then on the the next page here, we've got the heroic ability list. Yeah. So again, I like stuff like this because it starts to to make things really unique. You know, it starts to give the characters a bit of that individuality rather than here's all just, you know, the same pieces on the board and they all do the same things and it's just down to the dice and nothing else. Uh, Let's pick one each at random and just have a wee... We look at it. Uh, I'm going to look at evade, which is the ranger may use this ability if he activates well in combat. The ranger may make a free one inch move to leave the combat. No figure may force combat during this move. After this move, the ranger completes his activation as normal. You got one there, Robert, that you want to take a wee look at?
1: Uh, yes, roll with the punch. This ability may be used if a ranger loses a fight in hand to hand combat. So you get to have the amount of damage taken by your ranger rounding up. For example, if the ranger loses the combat and would suffer seven points of damage, he only suffers four instead. So it looks like it's rounding up and uh and not in your favour. But there you go. So that's that's a good one, you know, if you're if you think you're in a bit of bother and as a you know you you're surrounded by three enemies and you think, right, I really, I can't just fight my way out of this.
0: Yeah. So that was a heroic abilities. There's a fair few more of them. You could get them at a, a point each. Um, looking at the spells, they're the same, you know, a point, point per spell. Um, I'll take a look at smoke here. The caster may place a thick cloud of smoke, three inches in diameter, anywhere within three inches. The smoke blocks all line of sight, but does not inhibit movement. So that's one of the spells that you could potentially cast in the game. What about you, Robert?
1: Well, the one that's jumped straight out at me is Hold Creature, which uh, will sound familiar to D&D players, uh, especially because it incorporates the uh, will that we discussed before. So the target creature must make an immediate will roll. If it fails, it may not force combat for the remainder of the turn and it loses its next activation and the spell has no effect on large creatures or undead, so no big troll-type things.
0: The creature in its mundane form is just a visit to the pet shop, you know, just sitting, stroking a guinea pig. Putting the lead on it. Taking it out for a walk. and Until the end of the next turn. So after the, the spells, so again, what we've, what we've got so far, we could spend three of these 10 build points on our core stats. We could spend up to five on heroic abilities and skills, and, uh, no, spells, sorry, heroic abilities and spells. Sorry if I've been saying skills already. It's one of the days. Uh, Skills is the last thing. Uh, This is, well, this is slightly different to the other ones because for each build point that you spend now, you can improve each skill eight times if I'm saying that right. Um, So one build point equals pretty much eight points to add to your skills. So, are you seeing the skills list there on page nineteen, Robert? Okay, so you've got acrobatics, ancient lore, armory, climb, leadership,
1: navigation, perception, pick lock, read runes, stealth, strength, survival, swim, track, and traps.
0: Yeah. So on your on your ranger sheet, these are all by default set to zero. So for one build point. Eight of these could be plus one for two build points. uh, Some of them could be plus one. All of them could be plus one. Some of them could be plus two. So these come into play during specific scenarios where you're going to be asked to make a roll. And if you've um, done your preparation and maybe bumped your strength up a wee bit or your survival or your swim, then that could potentially be the difference between making a a successful roll or a fail uh, when we get into the actual gameplay itself. So again, we each... uh, page we go by, the, the ranger that we've we've built becomes more and more unique uh, the cool thing about, just going on to page 20 here the cool thing about this game is y- you're not just working with your ranger and the ranger of the person that you're playing with, or the people that you're playing with you could recruit uh, companions too, so, you know, you could have a couple of guys backing you up, a um, couple of lackeys, uh, which we'll get to soon, but um It says all rangers start with 100 base recruitment points that they could use to select allies from the companion list. Uh, You can spend up to three of your build points to increase your base recruitment points. And each build point increases his base recruitment point by 10. Um, So that's something we'll dive into in a wee minute. But first up, uh, we've got weapons, armour and equipment. Uh, you like carrying weapons about in real life, Robert.
1: So Improvised weapons for anyone, you know, who works for enforcement
0: agencies. (laughs) Uh, Page 22, you want to talk us through what the, um, again, not the descriptions, but the, the actual weapons that we could, uh, or equipment that we could stick on the Ranger.
1: Yeah. It's, I see it's actually a mixture of weapons and armor as well. So you, you, You've got your bow and crossbow, classics for the ranger. Uh, The dagger, hand weapon, which includes all purpose-forged weapons that are commonly wielded in one hand, so you've got swords and, you know, maces and stuff like that. Uh, Heavy armor, light armor, quiver, rope, shield, staff, throwing knife. You've got your two-handed weapons and unarmed, so... That's yeah. good one, yeah,
0: I think you could stick up to that this has nothing to do with your belt points, I think you could just um put five of these things on your ranger uh and there's a couple of wee caveats here and there, like if you're going the two handed weapon it doesn't look like you could carry a shield or vice versa, yeah um, so you're again that this is fairly common stuff like a figure that's carrying a shield receives plus one it's armor um. The dagger, that's minus one to your damage because it's obviously just not very good. Um, Heavy armor, that puts a plus two on your armor stat, but minus one to move. So that's stuff that, we've you know, he's not reinventing the wheel here. This is all pretty common in this style of game.
1: Definitely, uh, yeah. Yeah. This will be very familiar to anyone that's played any sort of games like this, I think.
0: uh, And then we've got some magical equipment too. So how much can you stick on... I don't know if these are maybe things that you find rather than you equip them with at the start. It's um again similar to the equipment but just a bit more a bit more magical. Uh and then we come on to the actual basic rules of the game. So like we've said before, two and a half feet square table is common, although other sizes might be recommended depending on the scenario. Um your terrain is just going to be anything that you've that you've got of a sort of fantasy uh, aesthetic, but you can use really simple stuff. Jenga blocks are are commonly used by people that maybe don't have terrain collections. Bits of polystyrene, bits of cardboard. So you don't need a a super fancy collection of stuff to to enjoy this game. You know, it could all be done by proxy and a bit of imagination as well. Yeah, you could have undead climbing over the old PS three that hasn't worked for a while. That sort of thing. Yeah, upside-down mug that hasn't been washed. Yeah. Some sort of fungal virus that you have to roll on as you pass it. Um, the the turn of the game, Rangers of Shadow Deep, is played in a series of turns. and each turn, a player will get the chance to take actions with a ranger and any companions, and any evil creatures on the table will do the same. So every turn is divided into four phases. We've got the ranger phase, the creature phase, the companion phase, and the event phase. So that's kind of the order that we play through. Um yeah. the ranger phase is, is self explanatory. This is where our ranger will make their moves. Um so it looks like you get two activations. Um just find the yeah. So here we are on on page twenty six, it talks us through what we might be able to do. So movement's a very common activation. The interesting thing that as far as I know, this is quite different if you've got movement status six, if you want to move one of your activations, you could go six inches. but if you want to move a second time that gets halved, so that would be another three inches so maybe that's just you know the to to sort of simulate them getting tired or that or getting a bit more cautious as they come to the end of their move but yeah, so if you're if you've got a movement status six and you're moving twice, you're going to be moving nine inches rather than twelve inches. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, that's interesting as well because
1: you know that the, there's a lot of talk around how much you should be able to move in one turn. Um, you know, in other games like D&D or and if you if you move consistently in six turns in a row, you talk about exhaustion, that's if you sprint and stuff like that. So it's it's an interesting take on the the management of of creatures' movement in a game like this. I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, and the movement as well, it can um be broken up. So if you're moving six inches, that doesn't need to be a straight line. You could maybe go two one way, two another, then two another, if you wanted to be super pernickety about yeah. it. Um but yeah, that that way of breaking up, maybe it just it means well, being a slightly smaller table than is common for this style of game, that your guy's not just running over the table like a like a pacey winger, you know, he's not getting up and down the park and yeah. causing chaos he's a bit more you know you've got to be a bit more careful about thinking what you want to do with them.
1: yeah and um, changing direction comes into that as well so that that makes sense because obviously you can't sprint and change direction and, and cover the same amount of ground as if you were going in a straight line right
0: hmm mm. and uh, we've got all the, the sort of things you would expect around like obstructions so terrain and stuff like that and rough ground there'll be modifiers if maybe uh, your ranger has to to go over like a swamp or climb a hill or stuff there's going to be modifiers there um, and when you move into base to base combat with a a creature you know you're basically engaging in combat with them you need to spend an activation to to actually fight them but if you move into combat with them uh, when it comes to the creature phase they're probably going to be fighting you so you need to be quite mindful of that as well We've got jumping moves as well, so you're able to do some jumping if you've got the the terrain. Uh, We've got rules on falling as well, so you could take a bit of damage. Um, And then getting back to the the skills and the the stat rolls, I talked about this a bit earlier, if you improve some of your skills, that will give you half a chance when it comes to making some of these rolls. So it says here, at various points during the game, a figure may be called upon to make a roll against one of its skills or stats. To do so, a player should roll one die and add his appropriate skill or stat to the roll. If the total equals or exceeds the given target number, and we see that throughout the rulebook is TN in capitals, then the figure has succeeded or passed the roll. If the roll is less than the TN, the figure has failed. So yeah, you're rolling your, your D20 now and then, and it will say, you know, um, your target number here is 16, and you've got a plus 2 on whatever skill that is, so you'll be wanting to roll at least a 14 to pass that, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, so swimming, yeah, that follows that same sort of path. You've got a wee table there for, you know, if you end up in some water, it, even uh, you'll get modifiers based on your armor or if you're carrying a shield or carrying treasure, that sort of thing.
1: I do think it's interesting that the companions go after the creatures, so that means you and your companions basically can't just wade in and say, right, well, before you do anything, we're going to kick the 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 living corruption out of you
0: yeah i think um i think we bypassed it but there is a group app activation option where with companions who are close enough to you you could move into combat with one or two of them and maybe gang up on something yeah so there is the scope to do that um again i didn't want to get too into the weeds with the, the because it's a chunky book but yeah so the ranger's not He's not constantly going to have to be uh, totally on his own and his pals lagging miles behind him. So it gives us a, a bit more flexibility too. Yeah, I'm wondering if uh,
1: how many people might be thinking, do you know what? I'm just going to be really good at firing my crossbow and my companions are going to be really good at fighting up close. And uh, yeah. that, that suits me really
0: well. Uh, the the combat is um, simple but but effective. So we've got our D20 uh, for a ranger. We've got a D20 that we're using on behalf of the creatures. So both these die get rolled at the same time and we add the fight stats plus any modifiers to what we rolled on the the, the D20. Whichever figure has the highest combat score has won the fight. Uh, To see if the figure that has won the fight has wounded its opponent, simply take its final combat score, apply any relevant damage modifiers, e.g. for using a two-handed weapon or dagger, and subtract its opponent's armor stat. If the result is greater than zero, then this is the amount of damage that the winning figure inflicts upon its opponent. So we've got that health score or wounds. I can't remember if it was health or wounds, but um, obviously we'll be making some deductions there when people start picking up wounds. Mm -hmm. It gives a wee example here. Uh, Let's see, a ranger, fight uh, fight plus four, armor 12, is fighting a null, fight plus two, armor 11. The ranger rolls a 16 and adds his fight stat For a total combat score of 20, the gnoll rolls an 8 which gives it a combat score of 10. Since the ranger's total score of 20 is higher than the gnoll's score of 10, the ranger has won the fight. To determine damage, the ranger takes his combat score of 20 and subtracts the gnoll's armour of 11 for a total of 9. Thus the ranger inflicts 9 points of damage on the gnoll. This damage is then subtracted from the gnoll's health as explained in the damage section later in this chapter. If the Ranger has been using a two-handed weapon plus two damage modifier, the total damage would have been eleven. So is that pretty straightforward, Robert? Yeah. Adding and
1: subtracting. It's all bread and butter to me. Yeah, pretty good. I'm getting very excited about this game.
0: Wee bit of maths, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what gaming's all about, right? It's maths with imagination.
0: Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. What I like to call
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally just made that up and didn't steal it. And it's a method nation, is what I call it. Which I didn't steal because nobody else would have come up with that.
0: (laughs) Um, There's some stuff around group combat. I don't want to get too much into the weeds with that, but again, it's going to follow that similar thing of if you've got more pals than he has, you probably win the fight. Um, You know, a couple of your friends could hold him down. You could rub dog shit in his face or that. Um, And shooting again, you know, shooting. It's just pretty much the same as combat apart from your your opponent doesn't really get that chance to hit back unless they've got a bow of their own, I suppose mm-hmm. and the damage yeah we're we're just looking to keep track of that I suppose um, for keeping track of damage you, your opponents, for your rangers and companions, you're gonna have your sheet for the enemies, maybe just stick a a die next to them, you know, even a d six if they're weak enough characters. Um just to keep track of how much wound you've stuck on them.
1: Yeah, that could work, or like a separate sheet, I suppose. I mean people will find their own ways. My worry is that the, the dies would get knocked over or something by knocking the table.
0: I suddenly get rolled or they they do look a bit cluttered. I found that about um I quite like Kings of War by Mantic, which is a sort of Warhammer fantasy battle alternative. But you keep track of I mean, I've not found a different way to do this, but you keep track of the unit's wounds with dice and the, t- the table gets really busy. Um, yeah. And it, it doesn't look great. You know, it's it's a bit of theatre of the mind, but suddenly you're just looking at all these dice and wondering, you know, what's what's available for rolling and what's actually a wound, so.
1: Yeah, and suddenly it doesn't quite look like a, a murky marsh and more like a soft play area with all these big colourful cubes around.
0: Aye, yeah. Aye, bongo's soft play. <laughs> um, page 37 Robert let's take a look at the the creature, evil creature actions, you want to sort of talk us through what what the gist of this is?
1: So in this game, which we'll remind people is Rangers of Shadow Deep all the players are working together to support the forces of life, that's us, the good guys and their opposition the forces of evil and death uh, is controlled by simple sets of instructions that dictate how they move and fight during a scenario. So during their phase, the creature phase, every evil creature and more rarely any good or non-aligned creature that is not under the direct control of the players, which is interesting, uh, will activate. Creatures activate in order of their health with the creature with the highest current health activating first and so on. So that makes it easy to keep track of. And um, in the case of a tie, roll randomly. Every creature receives two actions every time it activates. Powerful creatures such as leaders, spellcasters, and large monsters will have a specific set of instructions given either in their description or in the scenario for how they will take their actions. Most creatures, however, will follow the basic action flowchart, which we'll have a look at as well. Uh, and essentially, whenever a creature activates, the player or players should follow this simple set of yes no questions to determine. What actions the creature takes, and in the extremely rare instances where these guidelines cannot be followed or don't make any sense to follow, just use your common sense. I like that.
0: Yeah, so, that's that's Joe's ethos with these games. As you know, these are these are guidelines rather than you know um, rules that you'll be jailed for if you don't follow verbatim. Yeah, um, and that's often something
1: we... that's overlooked in in games like D and D and other stuff where the you've got to remember that the, the rules are entirely at the the DM or whoever's discretion. If they say, nah, I'm not allowing that and mm-hmm. you know some someone who really, really knows the rules inside out goes, Yes, but 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 I've figured out an exploit. And well, they don't say it word for word like that, obviously, but they say, No, but I should be allowed to do this. And a DM says, Nah. So common sense.
0: Did you know that, just like every other podcast out there, this show has its very own Patreon? But this is no ordinary Patreon, it's actually the worst Patreon ever. That's right, there's no rewards, no extras, no bonus content, no early access, no shoutouts and no thank yous. I'll just take the money and quietly get on with making the show. Not that there's any money to take, because hardly anyone's pledging to the thing. Like I say, it's the worst Patreon ever. Find it at slash worst Patreon ever. That's all one word, worst Patreon ever. Now, back to the show. Yeah, because again, not to detract us, but I heard I I can't remember what podcast it was on, but I heard an example of, I think it was a Warhammer 40k tournament. And obviously, you know, you're getting people there that just aren't interested in any of the storytelling or the fun, it's just purely a winning endeavour. And I think there was there was some loophole which meant this guy was basically he had a huge tank going into a building, going up the stairs and stuff like that. And, you know, if you're if you're turning up to one of these games wanting the the escapism and storytelling, you would never dream of doing that. But this guy's like, well, I I can't see anywhere where it says I'm not allowed to do this. So I'm doing it. Um, And that's a a
1: shame. For clarity, like in gaming terms tank means heavily armored warrior at the front, but are you meaning an actual tank?
0: Yeah, I. Yeah. A tread treaded, you know, <laughs> armored vehicle. So yeah, no not not just a like big Terminator or that. An wow. actual tank. So Up the stairs. Yeah, way up the stairs. Um have a That's... wee look under the bed. Right rifle in the underwear drawer. That's some so... staircase. Yeah. I take it couldn't get in the lift. Aye, I know it was a bit, bit too heavy health and safety. So, right before we we dive into the wee table here, Robert, I was particularly interested in this aspect of the game because for AI systems for solo and co-op, this I think is I know nothing about next to nothing about games writing, but I imagine this is the trickiest obstacle. Is you know how am I going to make um, the enemies operate without them just being completely mindless? So. If, we, if you take a wee look at this table, we'll see how it actually works then. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, there's, so there's a, a series of questions here to help you determine what the, the, the mobs are going to do. Uh, question one, is the creature in combat? If yes, then it will use its action to fight. And if it wins the combat, it will choose to stay in combat and not use its second action if it has one. No, it's not in combat. Proceed to step two. So, it's not currently fighting. So, what is it going to do? Question two, is there a hero in line of sight? If yes, and if the creature has a missile weapon, a bow, crossbow, even a throwing knife, and is in range, it will shoot at the closest hero. It will then use its second action to reload. If it has a crossbow, or, or whatever. Otherwise, it will not take a second action. If the creature does not have a missile weapon, it will move towards the closest hero. If this takes it into combat, it will use its second action to fight. If not, it will use its second action to move closer. So that's that's pretty clear. If it's not already in combat and it sees a hero and it's got a, a, a ranged weapon, it'll immediately start firing. And if not, it'll do everything it can to get into combat with the hero. That's straightforward. Uh, and number three... So if it it doesn't see... Sorry, yeah. So if it doesn't see a hero and it's not already in combat, then number three, does the scenario include a target point? Which we could talk again about. If yes, the creature will use one action to move directly towards the target point. Return to step two to determine its second action. And if nothing in step two, like as a hero in line of sight, applies... The creature will not take a second action. If no, there's no there's no target point. The figure will make one move, and this is what we're talking about before, in a random direction. So that's your your die with the arrow on top and stuff, and uh, return to step two to determine its second action. So at that point, it's it's if you get that far, then it's just moving around randomly until it sees a hero or whatnot. And for the first scenario or two that you play, you may find that you have to check this chart during every creature phase because you're still getting used to it. However, very soon you'll see that it follows a simple logical pattern. Is, is it fighting? Good. If not, can it see someone move, shoot and move towards them? Good. And if not, then let's do the random dicey thing. And uh, after your first game, you'll likely be moving the evil creatures around quickly without any need to refer to the chart at all. And that's quite often the case with a lot of this kind of stuff, that once you get the hang of it, you don't need to keep checking stuff. So that's
0: good. Yeah, you're playing the game, not the rules, as they say. Yeah. Um, and I like that chart because it's uh, it gives a bit of intelligence to your opponents. You know, you, you never, unless they bring in some sort of digital technology to these games, you're never going to get AI systems that are going to match up with playing a human opponent, but Hopefully. I think this, is, this makes a a great attempt at, you know, they're not just mindless random rolling, potting about. You know, walking right past you. Uh, there's a bit of bit of savvy there, isn't there? So,
1: yeah, and it's it's something that game makers and especially you know video game makers have been fighting with for a long time, for decades now, is making. You know, enemies that aren't ridiculously overpowered, but also not easy to predict. And you just sort of stand, wait for it to come out from behind that tree after three seconds and kill it, or whatever. And and you know, the the unpredictability part is a is a, a big part of it. And um, it's good to see that they're addressing that here. And the, I really like the unpredictable part of the end there, where it will just move in random directions. And you, even if you know it's there, you've got to, you can't just assume. Right, well, I'll wait until it goes to the left three squares and I'll be ready for it
0: on the next page it mentions a bit about how you end the scenario uh, scenarios can end in several different ways first a scenario amends, it ends immediately if there are no heroic figures left on the table either because of being moved off the table or of all being killed otherwise most scenarios last as specific numbers of turns in a few cases a scenario will be given specific conditions under which it'll end um, so we'll, we'll take a look at the introductory scenario in a second, but first we get to companions. We're going to uh, have a wee look at how we, you know, the the types of guys that we could take with us on these missions. So it says here, Robert, if we, um, because the, the amount of companions is based on how many players, how many human players are involved in the game. So if mm. we were playing together, uh, we would be allowed. I think it gives an example here. Um, for example, let's take a ranger with 120 base recruitment points if he was playing cooperatively with one other player, he would have 50 total recruitment points, which he could use to recruit up to 3 companions so if we were playing together we could um, spend those 50 points on up to 3 companions if we go over to the next page though which is the companions list, we'll see that each one has um, a points list so we might not actually want three because we might I mean one that jumps out to me straight away here, the barbarian, he's 35 points. Yeah. So you could probably fit in a couple of, I think on page 40. Yeah. 44. We've got a recruit at 10 points. So you could get a barbarian and a couple of recruits, but the recruits, we you look at their, their um, stats, they're, they're pretty, pretty useless. I mean, if you just want a distraction, I suppose, you know, somebody that you can prepare to just push out and hope that they get attacked before you do.
1: Aye, hey, little oh. Timmy, would you um,
0: just walk through that door for a minute, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we see all these companions. They've got, this, um, they've got these same stats as a ranger. Again, because because we've got variety here, some of them are really good at fighting. Some of them are very intelligent, but not so good at fighting. We've got varying levels of health as well different weapons and um yeah an archer I imagine you know most people want to take at least one archer I would think does that sound does that sound sensible
1: I think so I mean I know I I went all in on getting people who could go up front and take the brunt of the damage but when they die then that's it so at, having at least one support who can hang back and and hopefully not die too soon is probably a good idea.
0: For the animal lovers amongst you, there's a section on hounds. You can take hound, warhound, bloodhound. Um, they're pretty cheap actually. The, yeah. the good thing about them, you know, they'll give you they'll give you a lot of speed. Um, not much else, to be honest. They'll give you a lot of speed, and they can't carry anything. So maybe that's why they're so cheap. Yeah. Um, you well, can pick up a knight for thirty-five points, and he's he's looking pretty tidy. Good thing
1: is, if you're on your own. And you've got, you can have up to seven companions and you can take, you know, seven hounds. Just, for...
0: just a big, like <laughs> Mr.
1: Burns, release the hounds. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and just swamp them. But um, uh, the knight looks good because he's got an armor of 13. Uh, yeah. So, you know, having him up front, he's again, like the barbarian, that's 35 points, which would only leave you 15. So maybe a, an arcanist.
0: The rogue at only twenty points looks pretty handy. When you see all the the modifiers there. All the equipment and modifiers. Um, um, oh.
1: Once again the rogues are the little um the black horses of the getting things done.
0: Yeah. Aye. I mean he won't he won't hang around once he sees that things are going badly for you, but if you're um if you're doing well, he's a good good man to have beside you.
1: Yeah, or you know, somewhere in the area where you can't see him.
0: Templar as well. Uh, looks a bit like the knight but I very good if you if you just want to get stuck in. So aye, we see there um the, the types of companions that we could bring along on the mission. And then we've got a section here on uh, the campaign. And this is this is another cool sort of aspect to the game because it's it's got that RPG feel to it that we're yeah. gonna at the end of um a scenario. Uh, some some miniatures might have been removed companions or even your ranger maybe they've um, been killed in the game but they're not necessarily dead because what's going to happen after the game is we're going to roll on this table uh, you see that survival table Robert on forty six, t- page 46 so you want to talk us through the outcomes there yeah so basically
1: when you're determining what happens uh, with the die roll if you roll one order two you're dead Three to four permanent injury, five to six badly wounded, seven to eight close call, nine plus full recovery, so uh as ever the uh, rolling a one is a critical fail, and you're out of the game, but also two as well, so that's interesting.
0: Let's take a look at this permanent injury table. Let's pick one each um I'll go with smash jaw. So if we if we roll initially for that, if we roll a 3 to 4, we're going to then roll on the permanent injury table. So if I was to roll a 3 and 4, 3 or 4, and then on the permanent injury table I was to roll a 17 or 18, my, my ranger's got a smash jaw or my companion. I, I don't know if this applies to companions. I'll need to look into that. Smash jaw. The figure suffers a broken jaw that never quite heals properly. The figure has some difficulty with speaking, which affects its ability to lead men in combat. He'll just need to take women with him then. Um, it goes on to the second page there. If the figure is a ranger, uh, yes, so this does apply to companions. Yeah, The player may only activate one companion in the ranger phase instead of the usual two. Furthermore, the ranger suffers minus three to leadership. Skill rows, I've just got the visions of the guy. <laughs> he just can't speak. Anymore. Talking
1: out the side of his mouth.
0: <laughs> and it, he's got his recruit, you know, he's. Maybe tying his lace, and he's going, rrr, 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 and there's this um, fucking demon behind him who's about to make mincemeat out of him. But what,
1: what's that, sire? There's a what <laughs> behind me? Perhaps <laughs> <laughs> use sign language,
0: sire. <laughs> this injury has no specific penalty for a companion, but it does not gain experience for the scenario just played. Uh, you got a you got a permanent injury. Let's laugh at permanent <laughs> injuries. You got one. You want to highlight, Robert? Uh,
1: yeah, well, it was uh, the one that stuck out to me was never quite as strong, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, has a certain flavor. It could be, is it a, is it a, is it physical? Is it psycho? Oh no, there is a psychological scars. Gee whiz, this is getting into detail. Um, so never quite as strong due to internal injuries. The figure never quite returns to full health. Uh, it starts every game at minus one health. The injury can be received twice, with a cumulative effect of minus two health. Any further, never quite as strong results have no effect. Oh well, so you're by that point you're indestructible. Oh no, no, no! You're yeah. as weak as a
0: kitten. <laughs> Back to Mister Burns, Two Mister <laughs> Burns references. Who, who knew? I know, who knew I... that he would uh, get such an outing in this episode about Rangers, the Shadow Deep, the miniature game. Um, on the next couple of pages we've got got a lot of stuff around ranger levels, skill updates, again all the the stuff you're going to see in campaign based kind of RPG style games um, as your character you know the more you play it the better he gets hopefully, hopefully he doesn't get the smashed jaw we've got rules on uh, companion progress uh, and also treasure, you know the, the, the booty, the stuff you're going to pick up on your missions or hopefully pick up that are going to come in handy for... Medical costs. uh, future missions, yeah. So, yeah, next few pages, there's just quite a lot about that. We've got a weapons and armour table, you know, that'll be... Maybe that's things that you've found. Um, Some magic items. Gloves of climbing, I wonder what they do. Boots of soft tread as well. Not very descriptive. No idea what that would be.
1: They're slippers, I think, just for comfort at night.
0: Yeah, there's absolutely no benefit to wearing them (laughs) when you're fighting a dangerous monster in a dark hellhole. Yeah. But I want to nip over to page 57. We'll just take a look at the first um, mission.
1: I was just picturing there, if I can say, that uh, a, a ranger getting to level 75 and he's really, really powerful, despite only having one eye, half a jaw, some fingers missing on his left hand and like only one foot and stuff. But hey, don't get into a fight with him because he knows stuff.
0: Yeah, but that time it's his reputation. People are saying like the the, the stuff that's happened to him and he's still there and he's still up for it. So,
1: yeah, old um, one-eyed Karnak or whatever. Yeah, he yeah. he knows his stuff. Plus he has 7000 companions now, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> An absolute army of people. Yeah. Um he can't talk to them, obviously, but um, but this time that we've got um, internet technology in the, the realm, so yeah, he just he's got a WhatsApp group
1: <laughs> that he types with um, his left hand.
0: Yeah, uh, and he's got very very strong a very strong monocle cover in his right eye as well. Um, I page fifty seven. Are you? Did you flick forward to that? I am. I'm here. I'm right with you. So this is the first mission that we get presented with, um, sort of introductory mission as well. So hopefully nothing too difficult. It's just designed to give us a flavour of um, moving the pieces about how everything works. And uh, the miniatures that we'll likely need for this mission, which I think is broken up into two scenarios, which we'll dive into, uh, six plus zombies. So assuming six is your sort of minimum that you're going to need. Uh, Three plus giant rats, six plus giant spiders, and three plus survivors. Uh, That little bit in italics there, Robert, it has been less than. Do you want to just read that for us?
1: It has been less than a week since the destruction of Laurentia and the appearance of the Shadow Deep. But in that time, the world has seemingly gone mad. Reports of strange creatures and evil robed men are flooding in from all along the new border. Even with every soldier, ranger, and volunteer mobilized, the kingdom is stretched thin. Three days ago, a veteran ranger, yea, by the name of Aventine, went out to investigate reports of an attack on a nearby village. He has not returned. Oh. Determined to find the missing ranger, you have gathered what companions you can and set off for the village. It's an eight-hour hike over difficult terrain.
0: An eight-hour hike, that's... Um, going. In, you know, I've done a few, like, sort of four-hour walks on my time, and I'm a pretty fit guy, but a four-hour walk's tough. And, you know, I could just imagine doubling that and you're on your way to fight something, and probably. To, to be fair,
1: they won't be drinking tins of lager as well on the way.
0: Yeah, Aye. Um, seeing as you did such a good uh, job with that uh, read, Robert, we've got another one there, so we're on to page 58 Scenario 1, The Deserted Village
1: Right, here we go, 8 hours and we're not dead yet, so that's good As soon as you come within sight of the nameless village, you knew that something wasn't right There was no sound of man or animal No movement except for the gentle swaying of the trees in the breeze Closer in, you could see bodies lying in the dirt and smell the stench of death. Undaunted, you covered your face and carried on. Whatever happened here, it was your duty to try to discover the truth, and, if possible, determine the fate of Aventine. You had just reached the centre of the village, and were about to split up to search, when a horrible moaning sound came from all around. That's it, you've tripped it, you've uh, pulled the mobs, and it's, uh, it's trouble time.
0: Yeah, excellent. We've set the scene here and we get a little um setup guide. This uh, scenario should be played on a three foot by three foot square table. The rangers and companions should all be placed within three inches of the central point of the table. Four or five small buildings should be placed around them in a rough circle. No building should be closer than six inches to the nearest hero. The rest of the table should be covered in scattered trees, rocks, and possibly a small screen. It's uh, stream, even not a screen. That's uh, the WhatsApp group again. Yeah. So we've got a little map down the bottom that kind of gives you a guide of um, how you might want to set that out. And you could see that we're putting um, zombies in certain places. We've got uh giant rats in certain places and we've got clues as well. And the clues kind of tie into uh, the clue marker table which we yeah. see on the next page, and that's uh, based on the D20. So as you would expect, um, when you're getting to these clues, you're going to, uh, I think, spend an activation to make a roll and just see what you've found. And, you know, without giving anything away, any spoilers, some of the the, the stuff you might turn up in the clues is very good and some is very, very bad. So the, the clue uh, markers are there. We've got some special rules as well. Before the scenario begins, choose one figure to make a perception roll, target number eight. If successful, you may move one of the clue markers that is not a house six inches directly towards the figure. So we see there a little hints of the benefits of um, improving certain skills when you're building your ranger as well. Yeah. We've got the, uh, on page 60 there, we've got event cards. Yeah, so that's where the the actual deck of playing cards comes in. Nice. So we're drawing these event cards. Different things are happening. For example, red four zombie. Place a zombie adjacent to one randomly determined clue marker. Or red nine disease. Any figure that is reduced to zero health during this scenario must make a health roll, target number 16, or suffer from disease in the next scenario. Use a figure starting health to make this roll. So just loads and loads of different um, variability and means that you, you could probably play this numerous times and it'd be completely different as well Um, Yeah. be you playing alone you know mixing up your ranger you could create a completely different character you could have completely different companions so the replayability of this just looks um looks like you're really going to get your your value for money doesn't it
1: yeah definitely i really like how the the cards you know the red ace to the red nine there gives you uh a lot of different options there well not options but you don't know what you're going to get like the, the giant rats, the zombies, and even the, the disease. And I like that one there, uh, Collapse, Red 7. One of the buildings determined randomly collapses, and any figure in or within two inches of it suffers an immediate plus four attack.
0: Yeah, just sounds like a... A pretty hellish place, like we've um, mentioned before, very similar to the the fine country that we live in. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's I, I. don't want to spoil all these scenarios because one flows into the other. You know, I think by talking through that first one, it gives the the listener a flavour of um and us a flavour of how these sort of scenarios play out. Really looking forward to getting a wee game of this, Robert, in the next couple of weeks. Um, I've got everything we need. I just I just need to do some painting. Um, in fact, now that I mention it, in that little link that I sent you, there's um, four different potential rangers. These are miniatures I bought recently, so I want you just to flick through them and tell tell me like which ranger you you would most like to play out of these four guys, and talk, talk us through as well what you're seeing when you when you look at each one.
1: Okay, so um, contestant number one, he's got his hand axe and shield and. He looks like the Black Knight from Monty Python's The Holy Grail. So he looks like he's uh, not a literal tank like in some games, but uh, a tank. Yeah, I was going to ask
0: is that is that kind of what you meant by tank? You know, the heavily armored kind of doesn't look like he's going to be easy to put down, but he's also not going to be breaking any land speed records.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's the one that he wants you to attack him so that his friends aren't getting squished. Basically. And, and he uh, probably
0: isn't passing any maths tests either.
1: Yeah, no, he 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 has his skill set, and that's what it is, and that's that. Um, number two, Scottish guy. Possibly. Yeah, kind
0: of druidy guy, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's got the sandals, the long red hair and beard, uh, like bone necklace. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely druidic not sure what's in his oh he's got a, a sword kind of behind his back so yeah
0: and a kind of hook on his belt as well don't know if that's a climbing hook or a sticking in a head hook or maybe a bit of both maybe it's a versatile oh,
1: tool yeah like a sickly type thing mm. I didn't see that at first but yeah you're quite right so he looks like he's um maybe got a bit of dexterity about him as well as fighting ability yeah a bit uh, more
0: clever I would say yeah bit more arcane.
1: Yes. Uh, and number three, there's absolutely no mistake in who he is. He's got the black hood up. He's got a dagger in his left hand. He's wearing leather and, uh, well, let's see, his, uh, the look on his face is he's not a people person.
0: He's the guy in, you know, like a game like Skyrim or that, where you're in the tavern and you get the pst, You know, he's, he just yeah. appears after you've triggered some mouse in the game and he's he's come up and he's got an offer for you but if you take him up on this offer and do his bidding your your karma is going to take a, a little plunge.
1: Yeah, and he may or may not betray you ultimately.
0: Yeah, that look on his face doesn't doesn't strike me with trust. He's got he's he's kitted he's well kitted out. He's got a crossbow and everything, so um probably yeah. the most equipped guy I've seen so far. Yeah, he um He's not
1: somebody you would uh lend money to or ask to babysit your kids, I don't think.
0: The fourth guy's not too dissimilar, is he? I think he's a, he's um classed as a half orc as well.
1: He's got a bit of a snarl to him, yeah. Uh similar to the first guy, but maybe slightly less clever, which might be the orc influence. Um, just going off the look on his face. He's got a crossbow hefted over one shoulder, which probably takes a bit of strength. Um He's got a dagger in his left hand and a sword across his right leg and a scabbard. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, he's yeah. not he's not lacking in gear. Um not knowing anything about crossbows. I'm assuming he would need to put the dagger away to fire the crossbow. But then the crossbow's over his shoulder the now, so it's not really yeah.
1: used. Well, in D and D certainly, you know, it it depends if it's a heavy crossbow, then yeah, two hands, that's that. Uh, like crossbows, you can fire with one hand, but I think you'd need a second hand to reload it and stuff like that. So, But that, that one looks like half his entire height and weight, so I'm going to say it takes two hands.
0: So what uh, what guy uh, appeals to you the most here? Wh- which one would you like to take into the Shadow Deep?
1: As an actual ranger? Yeah. I don't know, maybe the rogue, to be honest. I've got the a... third
0: guy The yeah. who did... Yeah, uh, he's he's quite an appealing character, isn't he?
1: Although I'd like to know more about your arcane chap as well. So maybe one of those two. Probably the rogue. And then once I've got a feel for the game, then the arcane. Uh is he what is he, an arcane something?
0: Like a druid. I think he's a druid, yeah. Uh yeah. The, the second guy, the bearded um Yeah sandaled he, guy. He, he
1: looks like he looks like if Socrates was in Braveheart. <laughs>
0: These um, miniatures, just um, in case the listener is interested, and I'll put links in the show notes at bedroombattlefields.com, but these are from otherworldminiatures.co.uk, so uh, very good range there, although a bit miffed at their postage and packaging, because the more you you buy, the, the price of the postage goes substantially up, which I get from a weight point of view, but... Postage doesn't postage costs don't jump up that much because like miniatures aren't very heavy. Um So I, I yeah. bought those four to keep it under twenty quid because after that you're like adding another, I don't know, two fifty onto the postage, maybe even another five or I can't remember. But it seemed to be um, a bit of a funny way of doing it. Almost saying you know don't don't buy too much from us, which I thought was weird. Well, so. I, I'm surprised at that then because I mean minis.
1: Obviously, you've got a base cost to posting anything, but I wouldn't have thought they would yeah, like three quid or something. Yeah, 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 three quid, then another pound per extra mini would seem fair to me.
0: Aye, well, if you're listening, other world managers, your Rangers great, but your postage system is is a bit flawed. So um, yeah, maybe fix that, or maybe send them an email or something. Like they're going to listen to me. <laughs> maybe. Um, I'm running out of time but I've thoroughly enjoyed that Robert. I'm I'm uh, I've been poring over this book for a good week now. I'm really looking forward to just getting these these wee guys finished and then um, we'll we'll get together for a wee game up at the office and uh, play out that zombie scenario the the deserted village I think it was called. Yeah. See how we see how we fare. Uh, what are your thoughts? I I love the idea
1: of this game probably even more than the last game we played. Um just because of the the flavor you can add to individual characters, you know, whereas before you're moving, you've got control of ten, and it's hard to love them all at once or even get to know who they are. Whereas with this one, you, you there's, I really like the, the the individual character creation side of things. Um,
0: yeah, strong narrative, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I wonder if chess would be more popular nowadays if you could make one of your knights have double movement, you know,
0: yeah, and, uh, aye. And stuff
1: like that, and or he had rain. to roll
0: on a wind table
1: yeah and you know ranged attack from your king so he's like yeah stay away from me i've got a high armor class but uh no in all seriousness i really like the look of this one and i'm genuinely looking forward to playing it
0: yeah and we'll uh we'll get together on the mic after we've had a game and we'll report back for the listener on how we got on with that um, absolutely and I'll put the show notes and all the links and everything about this episode, you know, where you could actually find um, Rangers the Shadow Deep for sale. Uh, we'll put the show notes. We'll put a link with bedroombattlefields.com slash rangers. We'll go with that. Um, and you'll find everything you need to know there. Uh, other than that, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Robert, for being involved. Thank you. And uh, yeah, stay subscribed. Or if you're not subscribed already, please do subscribe. And we'll see you on the next episode.